podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the NUFC Blogcast. My name is Ed, your host, and I'm here with the editor of NUFCblog.co.uk, as usual. Ollie, Ollie, how are you? Yes, I'm good, thanks. It's a, a bit of a weird feeling now the season's done. It feels almost a little bit sad that such a good season's come to an end, but... Uh... But yeah, it's, what, a, what a year it's been. It's nice to just be able to reflect on it now, I suppose. Well, let's do just that on the NUFC Blogcast. Coming up this episode, we review the Chelsea match. We pick out some standout stats from the season. We answer your Twitter questions. And Ollie takes the reins on FYI Man. So, Ollie, Chelsea, the, the season's over. 38 game weeks. We've finished fourth. We flirted with third a little bit in the Chelsea game, didn't we, with the Man United result kind of going our way for a bit and us being one and up. But overall, what did you make of the game? It was a game, I mean, how said this, but it was a game of two halves, really. Like, in the first half, it felt like, like every game. classic... Ch- <laughs> yeah. Like, like every game in existence, but yeah, go on. <laughs> but yeah, like, I guess early, early doors in the game, we were a massive threat on the breaks and Max Mann was running riot and we're getting players into some good positions and Chelsea just look like classic Chelsea this season, really just not at the races, but as we know, missed chances. And then the second half was just a, a typical end of season game where I think really we can, we can, uh, can't really begrudge the players for taking their foot off the gas. It was probably the first time all season they have really. So, so yeah, in, in the end, it draws fine. Uh, like you say, missing out on, on thirds, a bit of a shame, but it's not like Man United slipped up. So, it yeah. would have been more frustrating had they had they maybe drawn and then we we and us failing to win we missed out. But uh, yeah. but yeah, classic end of season game. But can't complain really. Bright spark with Anthony Anthony Gordon scoring, of course. Yeah, it was really good to see him score. Um, it's funny we mentioned a couple of weeks ago about if we could get anyone to score the goal that would send us to the Champions League against Leicester, who would we pick? And at the time, I didn't mention Gordon, but now I think about it. If there's one player I, w- I was so happy to see score, it was him because. I think he's he's probably struggled with fitness. He's he admitted that already since he signed. He's not quite been up to speed. But also, I'd probably argue he's not been quite as confident as he could be. Maybe he's trying to like rebuild that confidence after a tough few months at Everton. So I think him signing off the season with that goal is massive because if you remember when Almiron first signed, there was that constant wait for when is our sort of big money attacker going to get his first goal and it's never nice yeah. to have that monkey on your back as an, as an attacking yeah. player so yeah really good for him going into a, going into a big summer and a big season yeah and Eddie Howe was talking about um, Anthony Gordon after the game wasn't he and saying they really believe in him believe he's talented it basically is his fitness levels have been the problem uh, he needs a pre-season with us he's got the Euros the under 20 whatever Euros this uh, end of 21 Euros this summer and then big pre-season and then you know with the Champions League games European games next season yeah, he's going to be a key player. It was a bit of an odd goal, wasn't it? Where on earth were the Chelsea defenders? Yeah, I mean, it was it was actually good to see Gordon making that run, actually, because he was playing in more of a midfield three, really, wasn't he? It's like a sort of right-sided number eight, I would say. And it's good to see him sort of have that positional intelligence to make that run into the box. Like, I, I don't think that's his, his long-term role playing centrally, but to, to make that run... Who knows, Joe, well Joe, Joe Linton. Joe Linton got moved. Maybe Gordon's next. <laughs> Well, you never know. I mean, I, th- I think either way, though, I think obviously Gordon remains a winger, but I think it's just good to see him make that move because a lot of wingers and the top wingers, they get their goals from arriving in the right moments, like the way Salah does it, the way Marnier used to do it. So I think it's good to see him making that run into the box because it's something, let's just say, a St. Maximan doesn't 
doesn't have the knack of doing. So it's really good to see Gordon do that. And yeah, it was a really nice moment for him heading into the summer. Yeah, and a couple of other like key kind of points. Obviously, the result didn't really matter. I mean, third and fourth, it doesn't make a difference, as we said. But a couple of other key points. Uh, St. Maximan's first half, direct, running at them. The fence terrified, back to his best. Uh, what did you make of it? Yeah, it was really nice to see that because, I mean, we don't really know what's going to happen with him this summer. There's, I think some parts of the fan base are quite split, and I think others don't really know exactly what Eddie Howe thinks. I know Howe publicly talks him up and defends him, and I do believe that Howe, probably wants to sort of really t- turn him into the next player that turns into a world beater under Howe. But I was, for one, glad to see him get one more chance to just to stake a claim if that's what it was. And and another thing, just to see just to see him back to doing what he does best because when he's when he's like he is in that first half, not just beating men, but picking the right pass, he's he's unplayable, isn't he? And uh, That's the thing, isn't it? Picking the right pass. That's the thing that goes wrong a lot for him. Is he takes yeah. on a player, goes back on himself, and just nothing happens. But yeah, a yeah. Good, good few times he was picking out picking out the right pass. Yeah, that's it. He must have been pulling his hair out that every time he played at Almiron, that he didn't get that assist because Almiron's <laughs> yeah. finishing was... Yeah, I mean, he left his shooting boots back in Newcastle, I think. But then some would argue that is... I don't want to say classic Almiron because he has got a lot of goals uh, this season, but Almiron's always got that in him in, in sort of in big moments. He doesn't look likely. So it was yeah. a bit of a shame to see that him back to what people have criticised him for and looking a bit of a losing his head in the final third. Um, yeah. but, but could you also argue that uh, just before the summer when we're going to be looking at a winger, it's maybe a reminder of, you know, Almiron has done brilliantly, but we can't really expect Almiron to be, I don't know, firing us to the, the Champions League knockout stages and getting us in the top four again next season. Like I, I'm I'm not saying he can't do a job in the team and really, really help as he has this year. But I think the time probably has come to get someone to, a, at the very least, uh, compete with Almiron and push him on. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, Lewis Miley made his debut. The youngest ever Newcastle player in the Premier League, I believe. Yeah, as I was uh, watching the stream, I noticed the commentator uh, say that. And then I... I tweeted out straight away that they've obviously, like I say, they said that it was the, the youngest ever player to make his Premier League debut for Newcastle. And a few people commented saying, oh, was it Steve Watson? But I think Watson was potentially before the Premier League, as it's known, uh, came out. I, I think. Yeah, interesting. That might have been 91 or something, 1991 yeah, or something so, like that. Yeah. So I think Miley might be, like I say, in the Premier League era, the youngest. But uh, mm. he, he looked good. Like I know there's, there's obviously the moment where he, he clipped the crossbar and Oh, what a moment that would have been. Can you imagine? And I know it, oh. the win wouldn't have meant a great I mean, What deal, were you but... doing when you were 16? I was not <laughs> doing that, you know? Blimey Unbelievable. Neck, yeah. I, he looks so young as well. His face is just like, we've got a kid he playing. But yeah, no, he did. I mean, obviously he didn't um, get too many minutes, but but he did. Yeah, he looked good. He looked good. He looked comfortable on the ball. He played the right pass a few couple of times. He obviously had that shot. That was a really good effort. That clipped the bar. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, hopefully he's got a big a big kind of future and maybe in some, you know, European games next year when, uh, listen to me, when we're winning three or four nil, he, uh, you know, <laughs> against Real Madrid, we can give him a run out, that sort of thing. So, so yeah, That's no, it's really, really good to see another another local local lad getting a, getting a game. He's, and Anderson came off, obviously, and he came on. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say back to Miley a bit as well. He's, he's actually quite a big guy as well. I, I remember leaving Wembley after the cup final and I walked past it was Lewis Miley and his brother Jamie and mm. yeah Lewis is, is really tall so he's and he looked quite comfortable on the ball and quite a sort of natural it's mover pro- on the must pitch be, as well he'll, he'll still be growing you know it's like well, that famous will. thing I mean... with um, Erling Haaland when Erling Haaland 
uh, joined uh, Dortmund. He had a medical when he was a certain height or whatever, when he was like 19, 18, whatever. And then when he joined Man City, he'd grown. <laughs> like he was like an inch taller or something and he went oh you know there's that clip of him in the actual uh you know medical going oh i've grown <laughs> so you yeah. know it's, we, we forget these are young young men well that's it i mean he's he's what not long turned 17 now and he's, he must be already at least six foot two so yeah he's he not only looks a tidy footballer but if he if he grows and like fills out as well which i'm sure he will he's going to be yeah you can see the makings of a good midfielder there but i mean i saw him speak to sky sports news just a clip on Twitter after the game. And he, he spoke pretty well as well. And he seemed like he's got his feet on the ground. And if you mix that with Eddie Howe and the obviously improved coaching we've got now at Newcastle and mm. like I say, more training within the club's first team, he's got he's got what he needs really, what it takes mm. to to hopefully be the next one that kicks on. Yeah, so it's exciting. He did, he did uh, speak well, but it was just, it was so much like media trained. It was like, how are you, you know, how how was it? Oh, yeah, I've dreamt of this since I was a boy yeah. and I just need to kick on now. And then what do you think is next? Just need to kick on now. You know, it's just like, yeah. come on, be yourself. What's yeah. wrong with these? Come on, stop media training these kids just people. Just let them be themselves. Yes, I just started, for, I played, a, you know, came on from a boyhood club. Incredible. Yeah. Um, to be fair, you're not wrong. I mean, when I say spoke well, I just thought he didn't seem like I, I can imagine it. That I never age, know what when... that means. What do we expect them to not be able to say words? <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I suppose <laughs> it's just so, some teenagers when they're in front of the camera, you can almost see they're so so shy and yeah, they, they he, almost he, can't he even make eye yeah. contact. So I thought, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. It was definitely a media trained response. But... And I know what you mean as well. Yeah, he's only 17 yeah. or whatever, and he and he and he and he said the sentences coherently so fair play yeah i mean that's that's a good starting point isn't it unlike <laughs> us sometimes on this pod <laughs> last thing well, yeah. about the chelsea game <laughs> last thing about the chelsea game uh eddie howe let loose for a few seconds lifted the mask a bit didn't he with that sort oh, of just yeah. going around as he normally does clapping and then just a big roar of sort I of i love that yeah i think it was a bit it must you know it just came across as like the season's finally done now i can actually do this and just go wow yeah we finished fourth I think, I mean, he gave it the big one after Leicester, obviously, when we secured the Champions yeah. League. And it was nice that he did it for the away fans as well, because I guess there's a different group he's doing it in front of there. And the support has just been amazing all year. I think every time we're playing a away game, there's only one set of fans you can hear. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that he does that, because people sometimes take, take take the mick out of how a little bit and say he's not got a personality. And to be honest, he seems so, so focused on the football and refuses to get carried away that he never really drops that, well, I don't want to say mask, but he never really, he always stays in stays in character in terms of his focus. So I did love the fact he just let loose there a bit and, and celebrate it. Because let's face it, I think you've got to celebrate the little wins and the big wins all of the time when you get there. Because otherwise, if Howe doesn't get a moment to do that and he's suddenly on to, right, clean slate now, next season, then when does he actually get the moment to enjoy himself and see, see how far he's come? Do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I, like, I love to say that. Cool. Um, and Sir Maximan, will Sir Maximan stay next season? I know you touched on it. Just a yes or no. Will he stay for next season, do you think? I'll say yes. Nice. I think now we're in Europe, I think he will. I think if we didn't qualify for Europe, he probably would have moved on. But we need the squad size now and he's going to get games. So anyway, let's take a break. Let's take a break and we'll come back with some standout stats from the season. So, Ollie, we've picked out a couple of, or you have rather, you've done the work here, picked out uh, three key stats from 22-23 that we're going to quickly look at because they're surprising. I mean, they're not surprising given we know what's happened, but at the start of the season, if you said we had these, you'd be flabbergasted, right? So, first one, joint fewest goals conceded. In fact, I'll just read all three and then let's, let's comment. Joint fewest goals conceded, 
joint fewest defeats and three players in double figures for goals first time in Premier League. That must be Almiron, Isak and Wilson. So, yeah. I mean, we're, it's hard to put into words, isn't it? The job Eddie Howe's done. Yeah, I mean... But I'm going to ask you ago. now to put it into words. <laughs> to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't long ago under Steve Bruce where it was becoming a pretty re- regular occurrence that we were shipping goals left, right and centre. And don't get me wrong, the defence has changed a lot since then. We've got Sven Botman in there, um, Kieran Trippier. But then at the same time, you look at, say, Dan Byrne and the job he's done. And let's, let's not lie, when people saw him signing for the richest club in the world, so to speak, they were kind of laughing, saying, oh, is that, is that all you're getting? But now you've got all this money, you're bringing in Dan Byrne. And then you've got Fabian Shaw, who not long ago was probably third, fourth choice under Steve Bruce and was the next player you were expecting to leave. And, and not just that, it's the midfielders putting in the work, protecting the defence, covering every blade of grass, and just the whole, from, from back to front, the team all knowing their jobs and all working so hard. So yeah. to think where we were not so long ago, couldn't keep a clean sheet, couldn't, couldn't stop shipping goals for fun. To, to see us up there, joint with Man City for fewest goals conceded. Um, I think it's, is it Man City? I think it is. Um, yeah, I think it is, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a Man City team on for the treble, is it? So Yeah, um, got two finals. So yeah, They've got the FA Cup final and the Champions League final, haven't they? And I think it's worth saying as well, we've actually been on such a long run without many clean sheets. I think we've only kept about, I'm not sure on the exact numbers, but it can't be much more than two in the last sort of, 14, 15 games. Yeah. Um, they all came first half of the season, didn't they? We were just 1-0-1-0-0-0-0-0-0-0. Yeah, that's it. And, and people, Incredible. I noticed people there when we were having that run without clean sheets, they'd look at the expected goals against and things like that. And they'd, they'd say, actually, the numbers are still pretty good. We're just, we're just conceding that one one goal a game. And we're not, we're just the, the sort of, the luck hadn't fallen in our favour a bit towards the end of the season. So, so yeah, to to go from where we were to that, is refreshing because we've been known as the team that ship goals for fun. And there's, there's very few like centre-backs here who you can list over the last sort of decade and say, oh yeah, they were a top player. And now, I mean, over the last, just the last 12 months, when Dan Byrne was playing at centre-back, he was great. We've got Shaw, like a, a new man recent, recently, and then Sven Botman, who well, Shaw, already... If you remember, yeah, Shaw, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but under, under Benitez, he was really good. And he was more of a mm. centre-back, long-range passing, flinging it out to the wings, wasn't he? But... And then Bruce yeah. came in and everything went 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 you know a bit tits up didn't it? But uh, he's but he's just he he he's not good, quite good enough to be called a Rolls Royce defender. But he he does he has that about him. Like he doesn't seem to be caught out of position too much. He he doesn't he never seems to be sprinting and stretching and sliding for the ball. It's he's always in position no. and he's just he's like not quite a Rolls Royce. Maybe like a seven series BMW something like that. You know. So <laughs> yeah, he's. Know. he's... He's always got that sort of, like you say, diagonal pass. He can carry the ball out of the back. And he, I think on the first day of the season, he scored that screamer against Forrest, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but was yeah, that the his first day of the season, was it? Crikey, yeah. It was, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, he's been great. I mean, there's a lot of people sort of drooling over Sven Botman, and I can see why, because he's just he's just been great. But it's mm. you've got to, give, uh, got to give a lot of credit to Shaw. And another reason I think why Shaw deserves plaudits is he's often played on well he's always played on the side where Trippier bombs on so Shaw's sometimes had a bit more sort of co- ground to cover there in terms of moving over to the right and just making sure that 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 side that Trippier can sometimes leave when he pushes on isn't like exposed so so yeah he's been for me probably our unsung hero this season brilliant right let's move on let's take a break and we'll come back with some twitter questions 
Okay, Ollie, let's do some Twitter questions. Thank you once again for your questions. The first one is, what's our biggest regret by Andy McFarlane? This season, what's the biggest regret? In a season that's gone so well, seems odd to have a regret, but what you, what, what's yours, Ollie? I mean, this this one massive one stands out is obviously just the final, the, the, the Carabao Cup final. But yeah. in a way, it feels weird to be regretting what was still such an amazing run. But then when you're there and you're leaving Wembley and you're thinking, oh, imagine if that was us. It does leave that like sour taste in your mouth, especially when it was Man United. But yeah. I, but in a way, I don't really want to call that. You know, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because we, we almost want to praise praise the, the team for getting that far. But if I am picking out one moment where it just felt so disappointing we're, we're that close it would be the the cup final um, i don't know okay. if you've got a another one that stands out well i was just going to say andy mcfarlane you negative nancy no i don't have any regrets it's all been brilliant <laughs> no, no thanks okay, for, here's thanks one your question regret. andy okay i, I, wish, I mean the I final is yeah i mean obviously the <laughs> final i guess the regret is isn't it that our our patch of form the, the final didn't just fall somewhere else in the season because that was where we were at our lowest ebb of the season, really. We were still, you know, we were drawing, we couldn't score, we we, we hadn't won in maybe three or four, had we, or something? Something something like that. And we go into that final and we just kind of get turned over a bit. If that final had been either, f- like, six weeks earlier or six weeks later, it could it would have been a different game. I tell you what, now you've just mentioned there the, the timing of the final. I, I can't think of a regret, and that, it does link to the final, in that... When Liverpool came to St. James's Park, it wasn't just the fact they went 2-0 up out of nowhere. It was the fact Pope got the red card, which didn't only kill that game, but also ruled him out of the cup final. So I remember watching that game just thinking it just felt like such a killer blow because, like I say, it ruled him out of, of such a big game. And I think he might have made the difference in that final where, I mean, Carrius didn't really... Maybe, he didn't have any. Fairness, he didn't howl or anything, but but it's, I think it was maybe more psychological. It was like we were already on the back foot. Immediately, yeah. everyone knew Pope was out, and we were all a bit like, "Oh, we're not sure yeah. what's going to happen here." Carius is playing, and probably made us a bit nervous and stuff. But I mean, their free kick uh, was Casemiro's header, wasn't it? That was he couldn't do anything about that. And then was it who got the second Rashford? Maybe Pope might have done something about that one that went above uh, sort yeah. of his head at the near post, but. Like you say, you can't really fault Carriers on the day. It might have just been that psychological thing where we were already sort of, uh, well, Man United were the favourites going into it. They had the, some of the big game players and for us to be missing Mr. Consistent in Pope and quite a big presence, I would say. I think he's he comes off his line very quickly. The defence of, of, of all kind of got it worked out whose roles are what. And I think, yeah, Pope's presence could have been big for that game. And not only did he miss it, he obviously helped Liverpool win that game at St. James's where we... We still battered them with ten men, I thought, which, which was made that yeah. defeat all the more. Yeah, we didn't. So. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, the final uh, we did not play badly. It could have been, it could have gone either way that game. I know it was two 0 but I, you know, I remember we started well. We energetic. I can't really remember now. I've kind of re- removed it from my head, my brain, because I don't want to think about it. But yeah, no, yeah, that's the biggest regret, clearly, isn't it? Thank you, Andy McFarlane, for that question. Second one. This is a good one. I like this one. Scottish Mags has asked one player from each relegated team. So you, you buy one player from each relegated team, who are you getting? So let's go first of all, let's do it one by one. So, so Southampton, I mean, there's an obvious answer here, but then there's there's a couple of other ones as well. So Southampton, who would you get? I'd be having uh, Lavia, Romeo Lavia, the midfielder. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, Such um, a sophisticated so... response. I'm just a, <laughs> I'm a simpleton. It's like James Ward-Prowse. But, <laughs> but, but I mean, either, I'd take either. Because I know Lavia, he's, he's young, isn't he? 21 or something, 20? Like yeah, I mean, he's 
he's one of those. He came from Man City's academy and they had like a buyback clause, and which I think comes in to comes in next summer. But there's already apparently like Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, and, and Man City when they get the chance to buy him back. I think they're all looking at him. So um, I, I remember just a few weeks ago when Southampton came to St James's Park and he was by far the best Southampton player. He was all over Bruno. He didn't. He basically didn't let Bruno have a kick in that game. So that to me yeah. said a lot about him. And he also yeah. plays in a position where we. We could do with another sort of deep line midfielder. So, so yeah, I like him. Yeah. Okay. I'd go James Ward-Prowse. I mean, not only is he the greatest um, free kick taker, pr- pretty much of all time, potentially. Um, he's got thirteen Premier League goals this season. He wow. could slot quite nicely into that. Um, you know, when with Europe, you know, Longstaff and Joe Linton are gonna gonna miss games here and there, and he'd he'd come in. He'd probably get 25, 30 games. He might start every game, as I know. But I know we've got Trippier for for set pieces, but James Ward Prowse is the level above Trippier in, in terms of set pieces. So I think I'd, I'd take him. A bit of a simpleton response, but I think it's the, see, it's the it's the obvious one for me. See, I do. I, don't get me wrong. If Ward Prowse came in, you can't really knock it too much because he's a Premier League proven player. He's like you say, he's set piece ability is second to none. But the only thing for me is, I think he's got a bit of a ceiling. To him, and I don't at the age he's at as well. I think, I think you're oh, kind of looking 20, at it. Twenty nine? Is he twenty nine? Twenty eight? Yeah, I mean it's yeah. So I just I just think we're probably going to be in the market for players who we think can go to the next level, like a Bruno has or like a Botman yeah, and, true, and, true, true, and true. Isaac Will. But don't get me wrong though, he's, he would be a really good squad signing, wouldn't he? He's twenty eight. Twenty eight years old. He's got a good right. five five year contract in him, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just his free kicks. They're so good, and to, I'm yeah, just I'm... imagining, you know, against Real Madrid at the at the new camp, <laughs> uh, not the new camp, the Bernabeu, and he's just knocking it top corner. It would be just oh, amazing. Anyway, next club. Well, I would take too long. Next club. Who else has gone down? Leicester. This is an interesting one. We talked about them the other week. Who would you take? Mm. There's interesting options here, isn't there? There's obviously Harvey Barnes. There's James Madison. There's uh, others. Who would Tiedemans. you have? Tiedemans. Tiedemans. Um, yeah, we talked about him. I'd be... I'd be going for James Madison. It's a pretty obvious answer. I mean, there is there is options, but I just think Madison has that sort of match-winning ability to break down defences that come and sit deep. And I think that's one thing we don't really have. I think if we had a Madison against um, Leicester, the nil-nil, I mean, obviously we didn't need the goal in the end, but we're going to have more games like that next season where teams know that we struggle to break down a low block. And I think it might take a player like Madison who can unlock the door with that killer pass or shot from 25 yards. And um, so, yeah, I mean, he's, for, for me, would be a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, Harvey Barnes, I, I would take, both of them I'd take to be, I think I'm 50-50 on them. Harvey Barnes yeah. has got, I think, 13 goals this season, 14 again. Yeah, he has. 13. Yeah, he's completely yeah. gone under the radar. I th- in my head, maybe I'm just be uh, I just haven't been listening, but you know I, I found that out the other day, and he's he I I listen to the Athletic podcast um, sometimes, and they were talking about one of their commentators said if Newcastle knew that Harvey Barnes was 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 going to be available this summer, they wouldn't have bought Anthony Gordon. Now I don't think that's true, but the point being made there is he's the same mould sort of player, but a bit more accomplished already. So. Uh, either Madison or Barnes, I, I, I'd take. I'm going to go Barnes because you said Madison, but there you go. To be fair, with with Barnes, you're right. He has gone under the radar getting 13 goals. I mean, in, in a Leicester team, it's really struggled. I know they have scored goals. It's more been at the other end of being so bad. But even so, 13 goals in a in a relegated team is impressive, isn't it? Not bad. Uh, Leeds. This is slightly tricky, this one, because they haven't got 
masses and masses of talent in my mind anyway. Who are you going for? I'd go for Wilfred Nonto, the winger. Oh, yeah. Sorry, um, that's, that's that's obvious. He, Do you know what? If you play the latest version of Football Manager, he becomes like the most valuable player in the world. And, oh, you know, I trust, those, I trust those Football Manager guys, so I'm going to go for Nonto as well. The only thing that confused me Easy. is under Javi Gracia, the guy who came in, was a dev, sorry, before Allardyce, he, he started just not playing Nonto, and I suddenly wondered, is that the only explanation in my mind was that is he a bit of a is he sort of moaning behind the scenes is he not working hard enough but every mm. time i watch him he does give away a few too many fouls and he gets stuck in but i don't i don't see him as someone who doesn't put in a shift i think he he no. seems to get stuck in and he's got so much ability so i actually well, wouldn't be player... surprised if i looked at him yeah well the other player we have been linked with quite a few times is jack harrison um yeah and he's a decent player you know more than decent good good player yeah uh, but other than that i'm not sure yeah it'd be one of those two harrison or non two Anyway, yeah, there you go. Not sure Leeds, else, Leeds yeah. have gone down with a bit of a whimper, haven't they? I know Southampton yeah, have really as well, have. but I don't know, just Leeds, just pathetic. It serves um, them right for bringing in Big Sam. I mean, it was obvious at West Brom. I think he won one of, I can't remember the stat, but it, he basically won, I think it was one of something like 15 or 16 games at West Brom and obviously sent them down. And yeah, people should have learned by now. To go from Bielsa a couple of years ago to Big Sam shows the trajectory they've been on, doesn't it really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's take a... Oh, no, we've got a third question. Sorry. From Sam Routledge. Here you go. Do we need to... We've kind of answered this a little bit in the other pod, I think. Did we? I can't remember. Do we need to loan Elliot Anderson out for next season to get valuable first-team experience, or will the Pep slash Foden method be enough for him? By that, I assume he means being on the bench half the time and starting half the time. But, yeah, what do you reckon? Yeah, and kind of training with the team. Yeah, so it's difficult, this, because not so long ago, I would have argued that Champions League football might be a stretch for him. If it was, and I don't mean he's not capable, but I just wonder, is he going to get that many minutes in the Champions League? And if we then say sign another midfielder or two in the summer, is he going to get um, much game time in the Premier League? So I can't really decide whether a a bit part role in all competitions next season outweighs a start in every game for a, a good championship team. Well, it's this is the one. thing. Like, if he does go on loan, I... He better play because I hate these loans. Like uh, oh, yeah. Garal Kwong or whatever his name is, our striker up at Hearts, is it? Or Dundee or somewhere yeah. in Scotland. Hearts, and, yeah. Um, Hearts. Hearts, yeah. And and he doesn't play. And you see it all the time. These players going out and, and loan and they don't play. And you think, what is the point of this? So we need to have it in the contract. Wherever he goes, he's got to start every game because it's no, such a waste when that doesn't happen. Because Elliot Anderson had such a good loan spell at Bristol Rovers, was it? Bristol Rovers, Bristol City. One that of was the one. Rovers, Bristol Rovers, yeah. Yeah, and it was so good because he was playing. Um, yeah. So it needs... I mean, it, it, even... Uh, yeah, go on. With Anderson, you see, it, it. sort of a year ago, we were all crying out for a loan spell in the championship because obviously he went to Bristol Rovers and I think that was League Two and he absolutely... He, he teared that up and he was clearly like way better than that level. But if he was to get a loan move now, one club that I think... I won't rule this out because I think it all might make sense is Luton, who've just got promoted, tried to sign Anderson a couple of times over the past sort of year, 18 months. So if we could loan him to a club who would play him regularly and at Premier League level where he'd get the experience he needs at sort of at the right level, then I wonder if like a loan move like that presented itself, how it might be tempted. But I think it'll come down to who we sign over the summer because if we do bring in two more midfielders and suddenly Anderson's down the pecking order, then I think the right loan move could be more beneficial. But at the minute, I think he might stay because I think how knows there's going to, it's going to be so much football to play. And I think, in fairness, Anderson's showed enough to suggest he can he can hold his own. I mean, I think 
he's he's very talented and he's he's good physically too. He doesn't doesn't shirk challenges and he's pretty strong. So so yeah, I can see him staying. But if the right loan move comes up, uh, it's one to watch, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I mean, over the summer, just so you know, everyone, we're going to keep podding and uh, talking about transfers and stuff like that. And just there's so much to talk about in Newcastle at the moment. Um, but one of the things that seems to be being talked about now is the transfer budget. And Craig, is it Craig Hope? What's his name? The the journalist Craig, Craig Hope. Yeah, the Craig Hope. He's he is reporting that the transfer budget is essentially 100 to 150 million that's going to be supplemented with 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 sales because of FFP. So. About 100 million, 150 million if we sell a couple of players. Do you reckon that's just absolute guff if the right if the right deal comes along? Do you think it's just PR from the club so that we don't get told to pay ridiculous prices? What do you reckon? I mean, to be honest with you, I, I think that would be classic. The club putting out information just to make it known publicly that we've got a budget that we're going to have to spread out and we're not just in, in the market to spend, I don't know, 100 million on one player because it wasn't long ago, was it, where we were constantly told about this Newcastle tax where if a player was worth 60 they'd quote Newcastle 80 and I think we need to be conscious of that still because clubs will be very wary of us breaking the big six and becoming a Champions League club so they they won't want to do us favours if anything they'll try and extract more and more money out of us so I do think it's probably somewhere in between I do think FFP plays a part and I think we'll have to we won't be there spending hundreds of millions and hundreds sort of 300 million or something stupid but on the flip side I do think it's kind of the club being quite tactical there and wanting to get the right messages out so they're not messed about. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see. Yeah. And over the summer, we're going to do the rumour mill. We're going to do transfer gossip and uh, hopefully not just the absolutely ridiculous stuff, but the serious stuff that there seems to be real links with um, because Ollie gets gets abreast of all that anyway through NUFC blog. And you've got a few links with journalists here and there, haven't you? And you get the odd the odd bit of news. So we'll be, we'll be digging into that. Let's take a break and we'll come back with FYI, man. Well, I just want to say, Ollie, at this point in the podcast that I am, I'm on a holiday week with my family because it's my grandparents' 60th wedding anniversary. They've rented this massive place. It's great. But there's no signal anywhere other than the car in the car park. So I'm sat in the car. I'm holding the microphone. got the laptop on my lap. I've got my mobile broadband hanging out the window to get the signal. I've got my people arriving and coming and going, talking, cars. So this is not going to be the best audio experience, but I just wanted to let you know, you know, the, the efforts I go to to get this on the air, you know? I don't suppose anyone's walked past you and like you've had to like hide just in case they, they sort of spot you and haven't seen you for 10 years and want to start a conversation or anything. Or... <laughs> well, no, fortunately it is, uh, you know, they are my family. I, I have seen them recently and they've been here a few days. So, so they are all here. Um, I, I did, my brother did walk past oh, actually, who uh, those of you who know my brother, Tom, I've done a Newcastle podcast or kind of Newcastle comedy podcast with him before. So we'll get him on the pod at some point. Um, the throw-in podcast yeah, used good. to be called. So if you used to listen to the throw-in podcast, that was me and Tom. We'll get him on at some point. But anyway, let's continue. Uh, FYI, man, let's uh, get going. So, Ollie, over to you. You're doing FYI, man, this week. You, I've obviously done it to you three times, two times now. You've got them both right pretty quickly. So there's a lot on the line here. Challenge me. Go for it. Right, let's go. So, Newcastle, Hull City, West Ham, Stoke City. Newcastle, Hull, West Ham, Stoke. 
Uh, oh, crikey. Newcastle. Play along at home, everyone. Uh, West Ham. Hull. Now, Hull to Newcastle immediately makes me think of... Oh, I can't even remember his name. That's midfielder we had. Uh, I know who you're thinking of. Diame. I was thinking of Diame. But it's, I don't think it's him, because I don't think he... Did he play for West Ham as well? Uh, Newcastle. Hull. Stoke. Man City. Uh, not Man City, West Ham. Newcastle. Hull. Crikey, I'm gonna kick myself out. Hang on. I'm gonna keep thinking. Yeah, and if it's if it's too long, I'll just edit out the the, the dead noise because I need to get this right. I, I can't have you tell me. Go on, just to say what. Oh yeah. So you said there, Modiame, and you mentioned Hull, West Ham, Newcastle. Now Diame has played for those three, but he hasn't played for Stoke City. Got so you. if anyone's thinking, it's definitely Diame. It's, it's not. not. Right. I could give a clue. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's, let's just think here. Stoke. West Ham. Newcastle. And Hull. Hull, Hull, Hull. Let's think of Hull. That's a... Hull and Newcastle. Let's think of that. What's, 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 what, what rabbit holes is that taking me down? Hull and Newcastle. Okay, I'm going to need a clue. So I'll name one more club he's played for. Go on. Bolton. Crikey Moses, it's not Kevin Nolan, is it? No. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't play for Hull. Yeah, I was going to say. Did he have a loan spell for like three games at Hull? But he played for the played for West Ham and Bolton and Newcastle. And... Did Kevin Nolan's nearly the answer every week. <laughs> that happened last week as well. <laughs> what we can do is, so I've mentioned the Bolton as the fifth club. I could drop one more hint and give you a clue and then almost count down to ten. And if you haven't got it after the last clue... Okay. So I've mentioned Bolton on top of Newcastle, Stoke, West Ham, Hull. Right. The first clue would be, we signed him from Bolton. Uh, Abdullah, Abdullah Fai. Yes. Oh. Thank goodness. That was awful. <laughs> that was so painful. You did make it hard, though. That's a good one. That's a good one. I like that. I've, I've got a story about Abdelifi. That's the, that's the sort of challenge we need here. Go on, then. Did anyone at home email us if you got that? Email us if you got it straight away. And I've Or was I being stupid there or what? Crikey, I mean, it was... It took me far too long. It was one of those forgettable signings. But believe it or not, at the time we signed Faye, I was playing centre-back for, like, a youth team. Oh. And uh, I always just admired centre-backs and where when everyone else was getting i don't know Oberfemi martins on the back of their shirt i went to the club shop and got 25 fey on the back of my shirt and i wore <laughs> it with pride <laughs> i had the mick taken out of me quite a lot of training but uh yeah i love fey and i actually thought he was quite solid he wasn't obviously that good he really wasn't yeah but, i kind yeah, of I... remember he was he was yeah he was sort of yeah so, six out of ten every week sort of thing right I mean, well there you the go time that... where we had claudio Cachapa. Yeah. Oh yeah, Claudio. Oh, that was an odd time, wasn't it? These players they didn't were... stick around for very long, but yeah, Faye was like Sven Botman next to Kachapa. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, crikey. <laughs> We've had some funny centre backs in our time: Titus Bramble and Boom Song. Do you remember Gene Alan, Alan Boom Song yeah. for eight, signed for eight million, which back then was like flipping loads. It of money. was. It was like it was. we signed an eight million pound centre back, uh, and then he was a bit rubbish. Woodgate was obviously good, uh, but then he went to Real Madrid. Yeah. Anyway, centre-backs this whole episode. We won't do that now. 
Right. Okay. So I think, do you know what, Ollie? I think we're done. Just to reiterate, we are are going to be podding through the summer. So do like, subscribe, tell people about it. Five star. Sign up for our newsletter below. That's going to be going out um, soon, this week probably. And email in any questions or comments or anything you've got at nufcblogcast at gmail.com. We're probably going to hope to get another podcast out later this week. Is that okay, Ollie? Yeah, sounds good to me. And we'll start looking, reviewing the season and doing some more sort of long-term Newcastle stuff. Bit of rumour mill stuff, bit of stuff on Newcastle's history. Hopefully it's going to keep you going through the summer and keep you engaged with all the Newcastle news. So thank you very much, Ollie. Thank you very much for listening. And that was the NUFC Blogcast. Podcast Network.